Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Run here, letting you know that this weekend, Saturday, February 12th, at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, right here in the Carriage House. It's our Lonely Hearts Carriage House. We can't wait to spend it with you. Go to AspronAlive.com to buy your tickets. We've got games. We've got prizes. We've got surprise appearances. And of course, as ever, we have fabulous advice. Not to mention Connor, fabulous Connor from Fiasco, Brooklyn, will be joining us to make a very special cocktail just for the carriage house. Remember, he invented the safagato. He's at it again. So, Check our Instagram for all the ingredients you'll need for that fabulous cocktail if you want to do a make-along. And if you want to do a watch-along, don't be afraid. We've got our VIP suites available for you and four friends. They're absolutely fabulous. You can sit there and watch together and talk to each other during the show, which, of course, I think is rude. But, you know, it's what people like to do. What can you say? Okay, dears, we can't wait to spend Valentine's with you right here in the Carriage House. AskRonAlive.com. Now, wait a minute. I am absolutely beside myself today. I have the most fantastic co-host that you could imagine. Our dear friend Brian is off doing I don't know what. Valentine's is this weekend. He assured me he had no company. And now it feels like maybe he has more company than than perhaps he originally uh, told everybody. But what that means is that I get to spend the day with one of my absolute favorite talents, artists, people. For some reason, she's off taking a memo like she's an old-fashioned <laughs> secretary. She's on the other side of a Zoom if people are watching the Zoom. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, Jean Villapique is here with us today. You are too kind. I am very, uh, very thrilled to be here. Also very intimidated. I forgot to start. I, I just wanted to make sure my audio was recorded and I forgot. That's, I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous, mostly because I am um, a very, I'm intimidated by your knowledge of, of products. Even as I was getting ready, I was like, what? my choice. I just kind of like heard you. Oh, Jane, if I knew you wanted to talk products, we could talk products all day. We could have made this a product show if we wanted to. I mean, I, I I think you would be, I I think you'd be very uh, disappointed in my, in my choices. Like I'm a very minimal. I know I would be. I just want to say, I know I would be. (laughs) We'll take, we'll take all the air right out of that. And we'll say, I know I would be. I'm sure, I'm sure you have one or two that I'd approve of, but you know, the truth is before we started recording, I was complimenting you on that gorgeous chandelier and you told me it was from, it's from cost plus world market. And I almost fell off my chair. They have a friend of a, a friend of mine, when we bought the house, we needed something small but nice, and it it was perfect. They have great ones, and they're reasonable. The house reasonable. looks fantastic. I Thank haven't you. been to over to the new house yet, but I see that you have a gorgeous bar. 
oh, yes. beautiful oh. light fixture. <laughs> and that there's a lot of beautiful mid-century sort of vibes going on there. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. We 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 redid we we live in the rancho area by um the equestrian center. And when we in bought Los the house, Angeles, is that over on right. the other side of Los Angeles by Griffith Park? That's As right. you know, I'm in Marblehead. So that's right. Oh, I meant to ask about the snow. I know it was a pretty wild blizzard. It was so gorgeous. I'll tell you, I say it every time. There's nothing like waking up. You know this because you're from Chicago. There's nothing like waking up the morning after a heavy snowfall and that silence. There's nothing more beautiful than that silence. And the couple of sounds that cut through it, whether it's the snow plow or, you know, that alone taxi cab or a person trudging to work, whatever it is, but that beautiful blanket. And it doesn't get dirty, filthy, peed on for at least four or five hours from then. Yeah, that's the best. A fresh start. It's a fresh. Absolutely gorgeous. And quiet. It's cleansing. It is. There's something cleansing about it. In any event, Jean, what's going on? Since we last spoke, you're only on every show that anyone's watching. You're all over the Peacock Network. What's going on with AP Bow? And pardon me, we're lucky enough to have you. You just flew in from New Orleans, is my understanding. That's right. Where last you were night doing I flew back. a film or a TV show? A TV show. Craig Robinson has uh, a new show. Oh, he's so um, funny. Uh, yeah, called Killing It, and it's so funny. It's it's incredible. I it's pretty wild to just jump in there in the ninth episode and um, to just kind of like fly in and show up one day and get into this world and then get back out. Um, it's set in Miami, but we shot New Orleans, which is great. So I got to go to New Orleans. Set in Miami, but mm-hmm. shot in New Orleans. Some swamps. I don't want to, I don't huh. want to, I don't know how much I can. Um, is there a concept? Leak. Is there a, spe- a private concept? We're not supposed to know a secret concept. I don't know how secret know it yet. is, but I will say yeah. it, it's swamp dependent. And I guess really? New Orleans has. So swamps. were you in a were you in a bayou or something? No, thank God. I was in an office, like most, like and wearing <laughs> Ann Taylor. That's most of my work in my career is in an office wearing Ann Taylor. You're keeping it. I believe you single handedly keeping Ann Taylor afloat. That's I true. absolutely believe that. Between auditions and pots, I believe you're keeping Ann Taylor afloat. This still is it. This still in business, aren't they, Ann Taylor? I guess so. And the yeah, and the costume department. They gave him the hangers. They were like, there must be a new woman working in costume because they bought the suit and they were like, they gave us the wooden hangers. I don't know. It's <laughs> pretty nice. Pretty good times nice. in New Orleans and Taylor's. <laughs> uh, did you have fun in New Orleans? I did to an were extent. Were there for a minute? How long I, were we there for? About 48 hours, including work. Uh-huh. So it was really short. And I got out of the hotel and wanted to walk over to the French Quarter. And um, it's, I guess Mardi Gras is next week there. So this is this kind of after holiday quiet time. And it is pandemic time. And I just sort of realized, oh, I can't go inside for a restaurant. You know, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And it was a Did little- anything hard? Mardi Gras is actually March 1st. That's Fat oh, Tuesday. whoops. But in New Orleans, they have something called Mardi Gras season. Oh, I guess that's what it is because there are parades every weekend. Yes, where there are parades every minute yeah. and they shut down the streets and then they open them up and then they shut them down. And then the actual, it's all the culmination leading to Fat Tuesday, which I believe is the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. It is. And then it's they called do, Shrove so they do, Tuesday. In our, they do all yeah. their partying and then they have, it comes from the Catholic notion. You know, this is carnival, basically. Right, right. And, and so 
then on uh, the Wednesday, Ash Wednesdays, when everybody has to give up, you know, for chocolate or yes. steak or sex with their brother-in-law, whatever it is. That's what I always refer to Mardi Gras. Oh, that's the time of year where you're allowed to have sex with your brother-in-law. Is that correct? Everybody's wearing well, a costume. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of what happens during Mardi Gras. No one discusses the rest of the year. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of people fly in for it and just want something wild to happen to them and then just kind of get drunk and hung over. Like, yeah, they want to throw up on a street corner that isn't their street corner. Yeah, but I also think they're like, I'm going to put a mask on and then just <sighs> someone's going to sex me up and <laughs> something will change. It'll be, and I think that yeah. we're just kind of like Las Vegas flies home, like, uh, uh, I'm just Broken. thirsty. Yeah. yeah, thirsty, broken, waiting in line, a broken flip flop. They drive, they oh. they fly home, and they feel like a broken flip flop. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the flip flop people, the Mardi Gras people, and the and the New and the Las, Las Vegas, Vegas people. Yeah, are the people that wear flip flops on planes, and Ugh. that's what I and that's I what can't. I think about it. And I don't care what Rana says. The audience and I say, prove me wrong. Go to the airport and take a picture. At the departures terminal and, t- and prove me wrong. There I was, I that. used to, um, I lived in Las Vegas for six months doing a show years and years ago. And um, Did you? Was it a second city show? It was. They had yeah. a, a show at the Flamingo Hotel for a little while. And um, six months. Ugh. It was, it was bleak. I'm not a, I'm not a gambler. I'm not, I, it's not for me. But yes, yeah. one of my friends did say everyone who's here is like, having the vacation of their life. So try to just go for that, you know, just try and absorb that vibe instead of like being so depressed by it. I do think whenever you are the entertainment, you have to remember that you're the entertainment, that ultimately it is a service industry. I mean, there's a complicated relationship with the audience, of course, when you want them, you need them, you don't want them, you don't need them, whatever it is, the push pull. Well, we came with it. Yes. Sorry. No, but the feeling just... You do have to remember if you're doing a cruise, you're working in Vegas, if you're on Broadway, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. people have paid money to come see you. You have agreed to provide that service. And whoever's in that audience, you do your best to show them the time of their life. And when they walk out the threshold, they can go, you know, again, get a filet of fish or do whatever they want to do. But for the moments that they're there, (laughs) you're responsible for their entertainment. There is also a, a, a tendency for actors to want to hate oh. the audience. And if there was no audience, well, I used to say that all the time at Second City, there there would be no show and no job. So if you're pissed off that these people who like bust in from Ohio don't get your satire, like at least they're here and drinking up pina coladas in the middle of winter in Chicago or else. Yes. Be out of well, work. it's always, this is always the dilemma of the artist, which is, you know, you need the, the artist needs a patron. Let's put it that way. Uh, but that reminds me that McDonald, I mean, this is a total, I mean, you and I should have a morning show based on this incredible conversation we're having, but that reminds me that McDonald's, I don't know if you saw this, came out with a, uh, private menu. You know, they're always, McDonald's, they just can't be McDonald's. And to me, McDonald's, if they only serve breakfast, breakfast and a quarter pounder with cheese, that would be plenty for me. If that if they said this is all we're gonna do, I'd say that's terrific. French fries, original formula, quarter pounder with cheese, cheeseburger, double cheeseburger, anything like that. But when they start, you know, and then of course I love the McCafe. You can't beat McDonald's for breakfast. Ugh. 
You, okay. You I would never go in them. I can't even stand the smell of it. I, I would never. No, you I don't go in there. You do the drive. You can't, <laughs> you can't beat McDonald's for breakfast. People just can't beat. And I'm not saying for breakfast every day. I'm just saying if you're desperate and it's McDonald's or Burger King for breakfast, you go McDonald's. Oh, There's for no sure. Question. For sure. And all yeah, I, think I, I don't wanna... mean to make it sound like I'm a McDonald's for breakfast every day. No, I get, I, I, I get what's happening here. The, in, it, that's what it sounded like I was saying. I know you like but, a fresh blueberry. They're always trying. I do a blueberry muffin. You know, I make my muffins every year, my Jordan mash muffins. They are trying to do like In-N-Out Burger has a secret menu. Oh, animal like, style, mm-hmm. zoo style, animal zebra and, style, yeah. whatever the styles are. So now what they're offering, it's so disgusting, is a, I believe it's a Big Mac. I've never had a Big Mac, by the way. But they, I believe it's a Big Mac with a filet of fish patty on it. Ugh. <laughs> if anyone's had it, I want them to write into me immediately and tell me what's wrong with them and whether I should have them sectioned. I want to know, write in, tell me how it was. And at the bottom of the email, give me your therapist's phone number so I can call them and tell them to come pick you up. Drop me a pin so I know where you are. How it's, this is, wait, this is a special secret menu. The big There's Mac nothing is secret just, about it. They're advertising well, it, of course, because, yes. you know, viral, viral. Shh. Only Don't people tell who anyone, participate tell in advertising yeah. are in on yeah. it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's just different sauce. Oh, I guess the Big Mac has two buns, right? It has special sauce. I don't know. Big, I used to have a two nice all shirt, beef patty, special, special sauce, sauce, lettuce, cheese, cheese pickles, pickles, onions, onions on a sesame, sesame seed, seed bun. bun. Big yeah. Mac. Yeah, I had a night shirt <laughs> that had that during that advertising <laughs> campaign, and it was just like... <laughs> Uh, just a, a big picture of a I bet a you hamburger. wish you still had it. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. It's kind of fun. All right. Listen to me. This weekend, Brian, I don't know where he is right now, but he'll be back because we're doing a live show for Valentine's Day. We did one last year. It was absolutely through the roof. Fantastic. We did a Lonely Hats in the Carriage House. And we're doing it again this Saturday, February 12th, 5 o'clock Eastern. Sorry, five. How does it work? I get so confused. Five o'clock Pacific. Right, eight o'clock Eastern. Eight o'clock Eastern. Tickets are on now at sale now at askronalive.com. We do have a limited number of meet and greets, VIP meet and greets this year. Last year we did me and Brian separately. But nobody went this to him, year, right? Or, well, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. That's not really, you know, I, I, I don't keep respect. track of the inventory, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> I just know he was fit. I just know he was finished before me. He was That's writing some I thank know. you notes or just use the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so this year we decided to do it together. That's because generous. Because we have the technology in this okay. new, this new uh, group that we're using called Looped. And so there's a limited number of meet and greets available the tickets are on sale. Those are not limited. And then we have these VIP suites. How does this work? I heard about this last week. People watch together in like a little It's really breakout. fun. I did exactly. It's like, imagine you had a Zoom room. And in that Zoom room, the TV was playing. So you can, you and I could be in there together. You could invite Brian. You can invite Bruce. You can invite anyone you want to invite. I'm sure Bruce would love it. Bruce is Jean's three-year-old. Uh, and... You, Bruce has a screen, you have a screen, your husband, Brian has a screen, even though you're all in the same house. We need it. Uh, we need our But space. you invite four friends, basically, and you can talk to your friends while the show is on. The show is on and you can control the volume of the show. 
And I believe you can also mute your friends if they're bothering you. I but love all of this. I could be right or wrong about that, but whatever it is, it's five of you together in a Zoom room watching the show together saying, can you believe this? Can you believe that? Well, I love this because usually when something like that's happening, people are doing a text chain to keep up. If if you have yes. to Zoom an event or oh, 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 something where you need to check in with friends, there's some sort of text chain, but that's this is alleviates that need. Well, people want to watch with their friends, but yeah. people are worried about Omicron or whatever it is. And you can still have the global chat. And I have to say, we did the Bitch Sesh Live the other week and the chat wow. was so fun. People were so fun in the chat. So I'm really looking forward to it. Just like last year, we have a ton of surprises. We have games, we have prizes, we have all kinds of fun little things that we're planning for people. So we're looking forward to spending Valentine's with our CHIPs. And what I should have said is that if you're a Patreon, uh, people know, you know who you are. We're having the Zoom room experience that I said was a VIP suite that is you plus four friends. We're doing mm-hmm. just one of those for the Patreon. So if they want to sign up for it, they can all be in there together, see each other, talk about the show, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's great. Or they can leave and watch it the regular way if they want to. It's up to them. It's they need a private business. moment. <laughs> but I am really that's looking great. forward to it. So that's this weekend. Order your Negranas if you're going to drink your Negranas. Order your coffee if you're going to make an espresso martini, et cetera, et cetera. But askgranalive.com, it's all happening right there. Uh, what else can I tell you? Phoebe Cookies is through the roof. We have a little Girl Scout named Phoebe who was oh, sponsoring yes. this year tinyurl.phoebecookies. She wanted to sell 200 boxes. That was her goal. Maybe it was 100. I can't remember. Anyway, we've sold over 1,100 at my last count. Oh my gosh. Okay. And I'm all over the cookie counter. I'm looking at the cookie counter all the time to know. But they're still selling them through February. And then if you order them online, they come right to your door in a minute. But if you want Phoebe to deliver them locally in New Jersey, her parents can vet who says they want a local in delivery? New Jersey. She, I'm actually from New Jersey, even though I lived in Chicago a long time. So I need to. Support. Where in New Jersey are you from? It's near Morristown. It's called Bernardsville. Very oh, small. She's from Montclair. Okay, close. So if you can stomach supporting the Montclair troop, I mean, she's probably part of the Rolling Hills Girl Scout Council. Not to you know show off my Girl Scout <laughs> well, knowledge. She in will New Jersey, if she but. isn't. If she isn't, she will be now. After how many boxes she That's sold? Pardon me. <laughs> She's going to get a, a little brown car, like a Mary Kay gets the pink cars. Yeah. She's, she she's going to get a car. horrible brown car is what she's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute, Jean. Tell us what's going on with AP Bio. Tell us what's going When's it? Is it on? St- it's streaming, it, of course. It is but streaming what's going on, on? Are you filming we, now? You're not filming? We're done and it's done. We wrapped last season last May, and then it premiered, I think, September 1st. So it's available on Peacock to stream oh, all four seasons. People and love it's, it's done. this show. People it was lo- a dream. What a cast on that show. Everybody is funny and also really nice. And especially oh. during, to be working in the Trump administration and through the pandemic in these crazy, wild, weird times, to be able to go to a job where everybody is kind and extremely funny was, oh, it was a godsend. How fabulous. Yeah. How absolute. And what fun writing, too. I mean, what a fabulous show. So funny. Terrific. Was, yeah. And then you've got Craig Robinson. So we're yeah. going to look for that. Now, we have some comments here. Do you want to read them? Dare I put you on the spot? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll get right to the advice because my- I can't wait to hear. I know Gene always has 
a, t- a, a take, a hot take, and a take that comes in from the side. You you have an unexpected sensibility, Jean oh, Villapique. Thank you. That's what I'll say about you. <laughs> uh, five stars only? Not enough. Hmm. The sheer alchemy these two spin out regularly is basis for at least a dozen more. Rana, adopt me. Brian, Miss Brian, if you're nasty, hope I did that right. You could get it. Fly me to the moon. I'll count every star on the way and maybe we'll get an accurate count then. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, that's very nice. I feel, I now I feel a bit self-indulgent making you read, but I have to say your voice sounds so beautiful. I don't mind listening to it a bit. <laughs> I'll get my um, guitar and I'll sing these to you. <laughs> should, I, should I go to the next one? <laughs> Please. The best coffee clutch. If you're Bubba, Bubby, oh God, I'm fired. If your no, bubble you're bubble is gone. It's, bu- it's Bubby, but if you your know. Bubby is gone and you're estranged. I take that as a bit of an insult. These people love to call me all. They call me say, oh, Ron is sage advice, which is, which is, you know, code for old ladies. Wrinkly. What they like Wrinkly. To say. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> almost too witch. It's almost witchy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, Bubba, Bubby. If you're Bubby. Bubby. Yeah. Bubby. You say Bubby. I say Bubby. Okay. If your your grandmother, yeah. <laughs> if your Bubby is gone, <laughs> think of it as B U B B Y. Okay, if your Bubby is I gone, I know it's not like you're not married to someone with the last name Finkelstein. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> if she's gone and you're estranged from your Jewish mother, but you still need her, or wait, still to need hear. Oh, these people still need to I hear. I should have told you these people are not t- terribly educated or careful. Okay. But they're passionate, <laughs> so we keep them in the carriage love house. It. Um, if your bubby, bubby is gone, I'm going to start over. This is going to be great. You can't start over. You've done this for, you've started 14 times. Start. If your bubby <laughs> is gone and you're estranged from your Jewish mother, but you still need to hear what they would say or do or gift, this is the podcast for you. It's a balm to my heart, and I love it when Rana laughs. That's so nice. Very nice. That's from someone named Your Girl Goody. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a complicated handle. Yeah. I'm going to fly through well, this next one. <laughs> this is from Dia in Oa. So somebody in Oregon. Probably a doctor. Thank you. Stop <laughs> looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. Just start living in the tunnel. This is the kind of sage uh-oh, sage. advice What we did all I need. tell you? What did I tell you? <laughs> An old Granny Glickman. No, Mrs. Glickman yeah, and Brian right. deliver and it twice a week. Old Bones Glickman. That's what they call me. <laughs> old Bones and Glickman and We're Brian. all in a better place for it. Don't miss out. I like that. That is just a short, sweet, and to the point, except well, for the sweet, sage except part. except for the pat where they call me old. Yeah. I mean, sage yeah. is a really great uh, herb, though. You know? You know what is terrific? Have you ever had a fried sage leaf? Yes. Have you ever had a pasta where they add a fried oh, sage leaf? Yes. Oh. Especially with like I mean, a ravioli brown butter sauce. Is that what they do? Oh, pumpkin ravioli? They used to do, yes. And they would do the most perfect green garlic uh, based pasta at Babo, Mario Batali, R.I.P., uh, at Babo in New York. And I pronounce that and, Babo? Well, you're pronouncing it incorrectly. And they would put a fried sage leaf on top, and it was the most gorgeous, crunchy, delicious, aromatic thing you could imagine. Wow. I'd go in there. I'd, I'd absolutely go right back in there and have that again. Fabulous. I love a pasta that's un, that's completely surprising. An unsuspecting pasta. Looks like it's just noodles. 
but because they've emulsified and worked on the sauce so perfectly that it's just absolutely, you know, takes over. I had one recently at a restaurant nearby here, near here in Atwater. Really? Yeah, called Alakwa, I think is how you pronounce the name of the restaurant. Okay. They have a pretty good COVID garage setup. It looks nice. We took our mothers there. It, they were they had low expectations and very much enjoyed it. And they had a corn uh, anioletti. I don't know how to pronounce Anulodi, it. Anioletti, yeah. Anioletti. And mm-hmm. again, a surprise. I mean, the corn, I, I was... I had to try it as a filling and it was very smooth and creamy. That it sort of looked like nothing and it was incredible. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. I love that. I absolutely love that. If I had a penny for every person that calls me and says, Rana, do you know a, I mean, somebody texted me today said, do you know a great back doctor? Well, because okay. of Dr. Bob, Rana, they expect you to get them in somewhere. Because of my history with Bob being one right. of the top, top doctors in all of Boston and the world, I don't mind saying, mm-hmm. at the MGH. Not to mention what beautiful care I take of myself. People are always coming to me for a recommendation. And you know where I'm going now? Tell me, Rana. Zoc Duck. I got to tell you. It's easy. It's pain-free. You try calling a doctor's office and making an appointment who takes your insurance and see how long that takes. That's Forget all I'm going to say. Forget it. It takes forever, Rana. Finding and booking a doctor who's right for you does not need to be a terrible experience, okay? Mm-hmm. Will they take your insurance? Do they understand your needs? Are they going to be available when you need to see them? ZocDoc handles all of this for you. I'm telling you. It's yep. Z-O-C-D-O-C, by the way. That's Zoc how you spell it. Doc. And it's a free app, Rana, that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed that take your insurance and are available when you need them. Rana, do you say insurance or insurance? I say insurance. I grew up saying insurance. Because now I say Texas. insurance. Because yeah. I'm from Texas. That's right. Rana. Yeah. So people need to go to ZocDoc.com slash AskRana and download the ZocDoc app for free today. Mm -hmm. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor. Mm -hmm. Many are available within 24 hours. How Who can get an appointment within a day, Patty? It's impossible. It's impossible. That is Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash AskRana, pardon me. And I mean, this couldn't be easier. And, and by could, the way, Rhonda, you can set up a visit in person or over video, depending on what's going on with you. Which I absolutely love. I mean, yeah. every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding. And we're, mm-hmm. we're one of them. Pardon Come me. on. ZocDoc.com slash Ask Go sign up today. It's a ter- This is one of those things. There's an app for everything now. Yeah. And when you hear about this, you think, oh, that's something I really need. Did, I mean, Rhonda, probably when you were growing up, you had to like ride a horse or something to the doctor, right? Kiss, kiss. Brian. Rana. I noticed your hair is looking thick and luxurious. Listen, it's not the only thing that it is, Rana, and I appreciate <laughs> that very much. My hair is become mane. And by that I mean mm. it's thicker, fuller, healthier. 80 million men and women in the U.S. experience thinning hair, yet it's still not openly talked about, which Mm. is a shame. We should talk about it. We're going to right now. Normalize thinning hair. Correct, because it can be very stressful. It can be even scary. True. And the sort of stigma of it, and they're not talking about it, just adds to the problem. Yeah. 
I use Nutrafol. You want to know why, Rana? Because it's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's proven to work. And it's formulated with potent botanicals to help your hair grow as strong as you want. And it's physician formulated to be 100% drug free. And does it work? Yes, Padme. Yes, it's natural. It uses botanicals. It deals with whole body health even. And on top of thicker, stronger hair without lasers and without chemicals, Nutrafol's ingredients may also help you get a handle on better sleep, stress response, skin, nails. A little thing I like to call libido. What? Libido. Oh. Visit Nutrafol.com and take their hair wellness quiz for customized product recommendations that put the power to grow thicker, stronger hair back in your hands. When you subscribe, you'll receive monthly deliveries so you never have to miss a dose. Shipping's free. You can pause or cancel anytime. Does it work? Yeah, it does. In clinical studies, Nutrafol saw thicker, stronger hair growth with less shedding in three to six months. And you've seen it yourself, haven't you? Of course I have. Yeah. Whether you're experiencing thinning or not, you deserve hair as strong as you are. Nutrafol can help you achieve your hair growth naturally. You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support our show by going mm -hmm. to Nutrafol.com and using promo code Brian. With a Y. Thank you. To save $15 off your first month's subscription. Wow. This is the best offer available anywhere. And it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, Rana, free shipping on every order. Wow. So get $15 off. I use Nutrafol. That's why this is good. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, for hair as strong as you are. Fabulous. Attention Carriage House members, Rana here to tell you all about FM. Anchor is the fabulous app that we use to create our podcast. And let me tell you something. You can use it to create a podcast of your own. It's totally free. They have these terrific creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. If you're that sort of person, I have a staff, excuse me. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes, which is pretty fabulous. The possibilities are totally endless. So download the free Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Kiss, kiss. Ah, did you hear that? I love that sound, Ron. I absolutely love that sound. That is the new Shopify cha-ching. Love it. Every time I hear that sound, I get so excited because not only do I know that I'm supporting entrepreneurs and mm. all the fabulous small businesses that use Shopify. Totally. I know that I'm mm -hmm. gonna I am going to be communicated with in such a way that makes me so happy to be a customer. Yeah. That is truly what I love about Shopify. No kidding. They keep track of it every step of the way. Rana. And we're familiar with Shopify even beyond that. Pardon me. Yeah. We use Shopify for our coffee. We certainly do. So our customers absolutely know 
what it means to get a perfect customer service experience in terms of here's the minute you bought it. Here's the minute the package went out. Here's right. where it is, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there. And it's so easy. Transactions are so much easier for the, from the consumer side when you're buying something on shop. I mean, I am always, I breathe a sigh of relief when I know I'm buying something on shop because all my information's already in there. It's so easy. Just a one-click pony. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. Okay, so upstarts, startups, established businesses, whatever, can sell everything from everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. That's why, as an entrepreneur myself, Brian. Sure, yes, you I, are, Ron. I know you can relate because you're also an entrepreneur. Well, I'm also one, so yeah. I can't recommend Shopify enough for your business. If you're thinking about getting your business online, getting everything organized, giving your customers an incredible start to finish customer service experience, seamless, I'm telling you, Shopify is 100% the service for you. Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses, pardon me. I wish I had stock in that company. Come on. From first sale to full scale, as they like to say. Cute. And they do all kinds of integrations with apps, so you can shop through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, you name it. All the hits. They give you all the insights. I'm on Shopify every minute checking out the coffee sales. I can see who bought. I can see where my favorite thing is you can see where in the country who's visiting your store. Oh, somebody in South Dakota is thinking about buying the coffee. Amazing. So go to shopify.com slash askrana. That's all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. For instance, let's say Showstopper Cookies was looking to get on Shopify. Ah, This would be the moment. Yep. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash askrana right now. I am going to read the first question here, and you are going to be on standby. I know you're a very good student, so you've been doing your homework over there. That's right. Okay. I don't need those on. Dear Ron Bryant, don't dear him, he's not here, (laughs) an exceptional guest, Gene Villapig, pardon me. I am a huge fan of Rana and Brian. Both this podcast and your other podcasts have been hilarious and heartwarming additions to my commute and work time. Thank you, especially for the work you've continued to do through the pandemic. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you. I'm writing because I will soon be having a plastic surgery procedure and do not know how to handle questions from others, especially colleagues or acquaintances about it. Okay. I will be getting a breast reduction, a life-changing procedure, exclamation point. I'll be going from a 36JJ to a 36C or D, a massive change for my health and the way I look. Though I'm A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, J. I've never heard of a JJ before. No, that's big. That's pretty big. 
Though I'm excited, though I'm quite excited for this procedure, I'm having a hard time navigating what to say when I have to explain to others that I'm having surgery. I think the biggest challenge is that there will be a marked physical change from this surgery. So it seems almost silly not to mention what's happening, but I don't want to overshare with people. I don't have to. I've gotten follow-up questions when I mention I'll be out for surgery at work and then have felt compelled based on the person's response to tell them I'm getting a breast reduction. Most people are supportive, but I can lead to but it can lead to uncomfortable and potentially unprofessional questions and conversation. Okay. I am a scientist, but I think these awkward encounters encounters happen across the professional spectrum. How does one navigate the conversation around their physical changes through plastic surgery when it's not really anyone's business, but they ask anyway? And how do you respond if someone is rude or judgmental about the choice to go under the knife? I believe you'll have the right kind of insight to help me find more confidence in navigating this change in my life. Thank you so much for your thoughts and time. Sincerely, new year, new boobs, new me. She, her. What a thoughtful letter. Very sweet. Yeah. Um, What do you you think, Jane? First of all, I was trying to think of the character JJ from Good Times. Is he? He said dynamite, right? I I made a weird. Yeah, when you said JJ, I made this weird face, and when this person who took this time, I didn't want them to think I was like big boobies. I was thinking like JJ dynamite. Anyway, I was just thinking of um, Good Times for a moment. (laughs) I think that this just strikes me about how much people. Are, are need to get a grip on other people's personal information, whether it, it, even if it's, I can't tell what race that person is, or I can't tell what gender that person is. I need to know, like, I need to know how to treat this person based on, like, they think they're entitled to everybody's uh, private life. So it, yeah. it is really, and it's also disarming for some people just to be asked a question. I'm this way. I know some people have really strong boundaries and are pretty quick to respond. That's not your business. So I don't want to discuss that. But if somebody asks me a question out of the blue, I pretty much feel like, well, I, I need to answer this. And yeah, it's, it's, and it feels like a jarring. letter writer is that way too. I think she, my opinion here is uh, practice responses. Like I notice you're curious about something that's private to me or even just acknowledging, like, I, I noticed this makes you concerned. You're not judging that person's curiosity or rudeness. You're just calling attention to it without answering the question too. There is a delicate way to handle that. I think. I think you have to decide how you feel about it. It seems like you're a little confused about how you feel about it because It seems like you're, especially with something like a breast reduction, there's, in some ways it's cosmetic. For some people it's cosmetic. And for some people it really is a medical procedure that is going to improve the quality of their lives. You have to decide how you feel about it. So it may just be that this is a totally clinical, life-changing thing Let's say you had a giant mole removed on off your face. People are going to notice that when you come to work. And they're going to say, what happened to the mole on your face? And you're going to say, first of all, I didn't really like it. And second of all, it was precancerous. The doctor said that I could have complications from it and that it was better to take care of it now. And so I did. Okay. Everybody moves on. But obviously we're talking about something breasts are more sensitive. It's, you know 
obviously they're sexualized and every, I mean, you know, there's, it's a different thing, but if you, if really your answer is I was tired of lugging around two sacks of flour and now Mm -hmm. I wanted to, and I wanted to go jogging for the first time in my life or whatever your, you know, whatever it is, if you feel completely comfortable with it, you can say that if you want to, if someone asks, I, I will be astonished if somebody says to you, what happened to your boobs at work? And if they do, that's not really appropriate, but you have the, you have the ability to either say, I'd rather not discuss it or, you know, my back was breaking. I've I've, I've been really uncomfortable for about 20 years and I decided to do something about it. And then it doesn't have to be about your appearance, so to speak. And if people do, I, I can definitely see a world in which older men, I mean, I mean, maybe I'm thinking more of when I had sort of office jobs in the nineties yeah. <laughs> where people, my dad's age would make more inappropriate jokes. I guess the workplace is a little, hopefully more careful right now, but, um, there, there, so let's when, say someone did make a joke. How would we handle this? I guess I would say, did you just make a joke about my boobs in the office? That's the same. That I think that's great. I think I just think calling I would attention. Just say that. It's like a mirror. And I would say, you just oh, did that. Huh. Because the answer is yes. And so that's right on your HR record if you want it. I mean, if you want, you know, yeah, you don't yeah. have to make a big, I'm, you have felt, I feel attacked and I feel this and I feel that. I think you just point out other people's behavior to them in moments like that. And a little bit, I know we don't like people to carry shame about things that are perfectly healthy in this world, but a little teeny dose of shame goes a long way sometimes. And when someone acts shameful, there is such a thing as acting shameful. We're not talking about shaming people for, for things in their lives, but it is very useful, I think, when someone acts shameful to point that out to them. I totally agree. And I, I think that mirror is 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 perfect. And yeah, they're cr- and also acknowledging, like you said this to me at work, is just like ringing a bell. It's so clear. You, you, you I just, just want to be, I just want to make sure I'm clear on what just happened. Are we at work? And you just commented on my boobs. No, 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 no. I ja, 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 I ja. Okay. Just checking. And also if the person who's writing in does have feelings, like if somebody asks me, I'm going to feel embarrassed or this, I would just practice those responses. I, 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 for someone like me, it does help to like practice writing letters to people you need to confront or this, like, if you don't have that muscle developed, practicing it out loud, I'm not really comfortable with that. That's not okay with me. Or I know, you know, just practice those responses. So in the moment, if somebody throws you off, they won't throw you off. You are grounded. And And also practice not feeling defensive about it. This is something you, when you wrote, there was a sentence in the letter where you said, with an exclamation point, rather, you wrote, I will be getting a breast reduction, a life-changing procedure, exclamation point. This is something you're excited about, that you've thought a lot about doing, and that you that means a lot to you. It's something, it sounds to me from the letter, it's something you've always wanted, and now you're getting it. And this is this is not the same as... This is, 
It's going to change your life. It's going to change the the way that you feel about yourself, the way that you feel in your body, the things that you feel you're able to do, whether it's wearing clothes or working out or walking down the street without feeling like people are staring at you, if that's how you feel. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a JJ chest. Everyone should feel good about whatever they've got and whatever they want to do, and they should be allowed to do with it whatever they want to do with it. I really believe that. And I think that goes both ways because I think sometimes we get letters on this show from people that are angry at people who want to diet or want to exercise more or want to feel a certain way. And those people are allowed to do that if they want to. That is their choice. I'm not trying to fetishize dieting or to make people feel that they have to be a certain weight. I don't feel that way for a minute about anyone, but there are people who feel their best when they are in tip top shape, meaning they work out all the time or this or that. That is how they, they dispel their anxiety. It's how they feel comfortable in their body. You're allowed to do all of those things just the same as there are other people that are allowed to carry extra weight or never get off the couch or whatever it is. You just have to be doing what you want to be doing and not let anyone feel make you feel badly about it or not be doing it because society has forced you to feel that you have to do a certain thing. And so I've gotten a little, I'm going a little off track here, but my point is, is this. If you feel totally comfortable with it and you also want to make a joke or a comment, which is, are you referring to the fact that I used to be this and now I'm this? Well, I'm delighted about it, if you so choose. But the most important thing is that you not feel defensive about any of this. This is your choice, your thing, and you should feel excited about it. And it is no one's business unless you want to share it. And they can speculate all day long. There's nothing to speculate. It's pretty obvious what happened. Can I, I have one more thought on this. I'm, or, I'm sorry. I went off on a little tangent. Oh, no, no. I didn't want to, I didn't want to interrupt yeah. you. Um, there's a line in here where she says, I, but I don't want to overshare with people. I don't have to. Um, and I think that's that feeling of like, if somebody asks me a question, I'm, I'm forced to respond or I, I'm obligated to address whatever yes. they're saying and you're not obligated. And what can be really powerful is silence in those moments too. If mm-hmm. you just answer the question and hold your ground and don't feel like you have to overexplain, you don't have to overshare with anybody. You can decide exactly the amount of information that is for other people and just stop talking. And that's hard if you're not used to that too, but it's very powerful. That's very, I completely agree. And that is something that requires a little practice if you're not the sort of person who's used to doing that. A lot, there are people who create vacuums and there are people that fill space. There are people that talk because they can't stand silence or, you know, or because they love to Mm -hmm. talk or whatever it is. And there are people who don't mind waiting for you to come to them. And it's very hard for the people that fill the vacuum to create the vacuum. But if somebody says to you, how did the surgery go? You can say, great, thanks for asking. How are you feeling? Great, thanks for asking. Any side effects? Nope, thanks for asking. (laughs) I mean, however many ways they try to get you to tell them, can I ask what it was? I'd rather not say. I mean, okay. Yeah, and I think doing that with a, a softness to it 
like you were saying earlier about not being defensive. Like, I don't want to say like that, if that energy kind of creeps up, she seems upset. Yeah. Then someone's got like a little, Mm -hmm. it's like a little bait for them. But if you are just like softly confident and with that response, that's, that's like nice and tight. How do you feel? Great. Yeah. How do I look? Terrific. Excuse me. Uh, Okay. Let's move on to our next question. And let us know how it goes. I think it's very exciting for you. I think it's exciting whenever people make a decision to do something they really want to do. I know three women who've had this done in the last five years, and they are so happy after. Really? I mean, it's just lift. It, it, I mean, it really just lifts weight off your shoulders. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> legitimately. Literally, yeah. No, I mean, as a large-chested woman, I will just say that, yes, there are, you know, you're carrying something around all the time. Not everybody is up for that. Some people love it. Some people absolutely love it. And some people literally their back is breaking and insurance will pay for it. So whatever it is, uh, do what makes you happy. You want you, as far as I know, we're only here once. So do what you want to get done in that, in this lifetime. Don't hold out. We don't know. Yeah. All right, dear, you're going to read the next one. Relationship end. Hi, Rana and Brian, an exquisite guest. Thank you. That's Jane. That's me. Longtime listener, newly inducted Chip. Excuse me. I, I did this terribly. C-H-I-P. Those, I'll, are, I'll say, okay. those are our carriage house important people. Oh, of course. Those are those. Uh, yeah. What, um, it doesn't of have course. Eric Estrada. It doesn't. <laughs> There's no connection to Eric Estrada at all. Yeah. I wish. And, if we could get him Me in the too. carriage house. Did he pass away? Oh, my away? God. I can't no. remember. I think he still, hosts the Rose Parade every year. Oh, good for him. He's always on those posters. Yeah, I good for him. him so. That's wonderful. Nice to have a gig. First <laughs> <laughs> First time letter writer, I've been around long enough to learn the importance of brevity and spelling your names correctly. Nice respect. My question is, if you had a month to process an impending breakup, how would you spend it? My partner of five years and I are currently having a trial separation while he does some soul searching. Before mm. you ask, he's not 29, but 31, so close enough. Yeah. It's it's worth noting that he does this every year or two where he has an existential crisis and instead of us tackling things as a team, he needs time apart. Hmm. Last time I sat idly by and welcomed him back with open arms. This time I'd like to build the strength to move on. Important note, we live together in his home country. And if we split, I'd like to stay in this country while I lick my wounds and potentially even longer term. Kiss, kiss. Leave out my name, please. So there's an Easter egg question, sort of hidden inside a little, right? I was right in the middle of a caramello when I found gold. Oh, oh. So Mm. in any event... Remember that song? I was right in the middle of a caramello when I found gold. No, I just thought you made that up. No, that was the slogan. I was right in the middle of a caramello when I found gold. In any event, (laughs) this person is saying, Dear Ronna and Brian and Exquisite Cast, I have been given a free pass. What would you do with it? Oh, by the way, this happens all the time. And when it does, I wait and just wait for my partner to come back. And when he does, I accept whatever he gives me. And I'm thinking this time I might just say no, thank you. And I might like to stay here too. So is that okay? 
That's really what they're asking. This, here's, here's the situation. Your partner does whatever he wants to do, it sounds like. This happens every two years. He has a little crisis. And it sounds like perhaps you're not built that way and you're a little tired of it. So if you do what you say you want to do, which is sow your oats a little bit or, you know, play sex in the city in Stockholm or wherever you're living, I think you will find that you are in the same place, which is, I think you will find you don't want to be with your partner anymore. That is, you will find, if you do what he does, you will find that you don't want to be in that relationship anymore. That is my guess. I think so, so too. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, I just the think phrase, that's, go ahead. When she said, I, last time I sat idly by and welcomed him back with open arms, I feel like there's some resentment in there. It's a, you know, I sat idly by while someone else is having a, a crisis like that, that you had to have something going on during that time, some feelings. Uh, I'm guessing I would anyway. I can only base it on my own experience. So yeah. Um, we don't just pause as human beings. So this stuff has has been building up. Either this is, look, this, either this, this is how it's going to be. He is going to do this. And you might think, oh, we're young and he needs to do this now. But when we get married, when we're 34, then it's not going to happen anymore because we'll be grownups then. I don't know if you know that, Gene. People grow up in their 30s and all of their behavior changes completely. And they cease to be the I got divorced when I was 30. So I had to, I had to wipe my slate clean and start over. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, there you go. And you sort of think, uh, I mean, I'm being facetious, of course, which is people sort of are who they, of course, people grow and change and evolve and often marriage or a family are the kind of milestones that can affect people's behaviors. But this guy does this all the time. And he's very upfront about it. It sounds like where he sort of says to you, Two years, I'm going on my walkabout now. I've decided (laughs) I also need XXX. There are people who are incredibly modern and don't mind that arrangement and know that their partner is going to, you know, take a walkabout every couple of years and that they don't really mind because they think, I don't know why they don't mind, but whatever, whatever reason. This is something he needs. I don't really mind as long as I'm the long-term partner. I don't have the same sexual appetite that he has. He needs to, that's something he needs to do for himself, but doesn't affect the fundamental commitment that we have to one another. Whatever these incredibly modern arrangements are that people have that I'll never understand. But they have them and they work for people. And that's fine if it works for you. Sounds to me from this letter like it doesn't really work for you. And what you're looking for is advice on a sneak attack where you can turn Agreed. this frown in, in upside down, enjoy your little time. You say, oh, we're on a break. And then at the end of the break, you're feeling so fabulous that you say, I think oh, let's just stay broke. This and reminds that that's me of, your act of revenge. It reminds me of guys when I was in my 20s who would start like falling in love with another female while they were still in a relationship or another woman and, or start cheating or something like that. So they just, they knew they had solid ground 
and they didn't want to be alone. And that sounds like this might be going on too. Like I want to build the strength to move on. Um, I think you have it. You have the strength. But I think not knowing what is there is the scary part. So to be, to, it's it's kind of like hedging your bets. Like I want to make sure I can stay in this country. I want to make sure I have everything I need. But sometimes it's, it's ending things is is walking into the unknown. And if you can take care of that without, I think sometimes it's just disrespectful to your partner to hedge your bets that way, to wait until you feel, you know, if you're, if you're done, you're done, I think. Well, and if you don't want to live in a place of resentment, so this has happened before and you know how it feels and you didn't like how it felt, which I sort of have to say, I really appreciate about the tone of the letter, which is what's a positive way to handle this? How can I enjoy this? What would I and also, how can I secretly shore myself up for a sort of glamorous exit? And if you decide, I would say, enjoy this break. Treat it like a true break. Did they? Say, did she say they live together? They're separated. Yeah, yeah. We're having a trial separation. We live together in his home country, but they're having a trial separation. I think. If it's at all possible, you should consider, well, really you should tell him he needs to move out. You should say, I don't mind having the separation. That's fine. What should we call it? Three months? Should we, what would you like to call it? And I think, uh, it would be a lot easier. I totally understand that you need this. It would be a lot easier for me if you went through this somewhere else. So you can either go stay with friends or you can get an Airbnb or you can do whatever. I'll stay in the apartment since I'm not the one that initiated this idea. And at the end of that time, uh, we should see how you're doing and be totally reasonable about it. This will drive a European crazy because this is what they want. They think Americans are nuts and they think they're the most reasonable, cool-headed people and that you are, you know puritanical and you can't understand what he needs, et cetera, et cetera. And you say, so at the end of the three months when your lease is up or whatever, we can just talk about where we're at and see if you need to find another place or if we're ready to get back together or whatever you want to do. And you should spend those three months in your apartment, not having to wonder when the door's opening and closing and where he's going and not going, et cetera, et cetera, and vice versa, because everyone should do this clean is my opinion. And you should spend those three months having sex with as many people as you want in the bed that you <laughs> share with this guy or not, <laughs> or going to as many yoga classes as you want and not having sex with anyone. Eat, pray, or love. walking around this beautiful city and deciding if you really, really think you'd like to live there. And if you do, how you'd like to live there. Walk to those neighborhoods that you think, oh, I've always thought I wanted to live over there. Go take a long walk you don't have to be home for anyone. But that yes. feeling of him coming in and out of the door and where's he going and what's happening, that that's a horrible, that's torture. It gives actually. someone else so much power when you're waiting for them to define things. And I swear, if you do go out and like you were saying, walk around, find find the next place that you're going to be, find the life mm -hmm. that you want to be living there and, and things will open up. You will meet people totally. or things... Uh, Things and I happen. would even say if you can if, if you can afford it, I don't know what the situation is, and you really want and you want to, then you get the Airbnb. You take it out of his hands and you just say, I'm actually gonna move to 
spa flunking for two months or whatever it's called. Is it still Copenhagen? And okay. I, I don't know where we are. It's Stockholm, Copenhagen. I'm just getting a, I'm getting a, a Scandi feeling from this, from this situation. It all feels, <laughs> it feels very Bergman to me. Uh, and I think that you should say, I'm going to be in spa flunking for two months. And I think we should just, you know, if a package comes for me or there's something, you know, my mother calls or something I really need to know, of course, let's stay friendly and I want to hear that. But I don't think we should really see each other. I think we, you deserve the space to figure out whatever you're going through. And I'd actually like to take that time too, just to figure yeah. out, you know, how I feel about this, that, being here, whatever. But nothing. You know, yeah, and it, very it friendly. Sound, it doesn't sound like this person is waiting for that, for this guy to change either and like turn around and say, wait, I don't want to have this. She, she's ready. It sounds like to build the strength and move on. So yeah, get the wheels turning now because it, time moves and so if, fast. And if he says he wants to get back together, you can make the decision that you don't want to. Or if he says he doesn't want to get back together, you've, you're already enjoying a terrific new life that does not depend he on him for your happiness. And that's the gold in the center. And if you have to leave the country because of, uh, you know, work visas, this, that, I don't know how it works, but if that's another fear of yours is that you're going to run to the end of that, at least you will have had two wonderful months in that, t- in that city spending it the way you wanted to. Yeah, not Think waiting. Think of it as a fabulous oh. romantic vacation, but pluck... It's Emily in Paris, okay? All we talk about is Emily in Paris on this show. Go be Emily in Paris on this without this guy. Cut this guy out. And of course, it's hard and it's emotional. And there are going to be days where you sit on a park bench and cry, and et cetera, et cetera, because you're caught up in this to some degree. But see this as an incredible break, fantasy. What It's either... The moment where you two, before you two decided to get serious, or it's the moment where before you decided to get serious about yourself. Either way, it's a nice. There's enough sort of plausible deniability in there for your own emotional accountability, if that makes any sense. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to spend those two months mourning the relationship. You don't know if it's over yet, so you could sort of just use it as a free pass. Sounds wonderful to me. Oh God. Yeah. It sounds like a dream. Yeah. Yeah. I wish someone would give me that opportunity. Take control of that time. Yeah. Just walking, just to walk around the city. Yeah. Ah, Walk the city. (laughs) Decide, decide also how it feels, what it would be like to have a life there by yourself. If you really do think you want to stay there for a long time, see how that feels to you. Really think about it and really enjoy it and say, oh, this is a little bakery. I've always been meaning to go over there and get a cup of coffee and sit down and write my postcards or whatever. Go do it. Go do all of the things you couldn't do because you were waiting at home wondering if he was sleeping some- with someone in the office. Excuse me. Uh, dear Ron, now, Jean, this is our final question. Okay. Don't forget, at the end of this, we decide who's getting something. Right. And it's only based on a feeling. It doesn't have anything to do with who we feel good or bad for. Right. Okay. Or who or who the world, though I can already tell it's going to be a tough decision today. But anyway, we already have two top contenders, I would say. So, 
The first person we're going to send a tank top with no, with a built-in bra because she can finally wear tank tops. Dear Ronna Bryan and notable guest, I hesitated to write in because I'm not sure how to articulate my question. And I fear that explaining the situation to get to the heart of the matter will result in an overly long letter. It already has, dear. Okay. I am 40 years old and have been best friends with S since we were both in kindergarten. She is married to A, who is another one of my closest friends since middle school. S and A were high school sweethearts and they've been married for 15 years. Okay. So we're in our early thirties here. We have been truly great friends throughout all of the changes in our lives. We had our first jobs at McDonald's together. These people can write in and tell me how they feel about the new secret, not so secret menu. And then whether I'm right about breakfast, live together in grad school and travel together. I am in their will on the list to take care of their two young boys. If something were to happen to them. Okay. I'm struggling to find a way to articulate how dear these people are to me, but I'm sure you have some similar friends in your lives and can understand. You don't seem to be struggling. That was very clear. Five years ago, S was diagnosed with colon cancer. Hey, horrible. She had surgery that went fairly well and a round of chemo afterward. It seemed that she was in the clear for about a year and a half, and then the cancer was back in different parts of her body. Hey. She had two more rounds of heavy chemo in the last three years. She's handled it like an absolute champ. No matter how sick she's been from chemo, she never lets on. And she always seems to rally. She's the most present mother to her boys that I've ever seen. S.A., the two boys, and my and my brother and his family just went to Park City for a long weekend, and we had an amazing time. S. and I went into the Meredith Max boutique and had Vita tequila at a bar, excuse me. What I mean to say is that if you don't know what S has been going through, you wouldn't know. Again, I can't zero in on a specific question. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have written in, but, uh, but I'm hoping for your advice in navigating all of this. S doesn't really talk about her diagnosis at all. I don't believe that she's waiting for, waiting for or wanting someone to ask her either. Her personality has always been to power through things and keep a lot to herself. She's always hated when the focus was on her. I am the same way, so it's hard for me to push when I know I wouldn't do well with that either. Most of my information comes from A. He's a great guy and generally more of an extrovert, more open than S. However, I don't want to be asking him for medical updates on S all the time. A circle of friends usually come to me for updates to ask how things are going because I'm the closest to them. I struggle to respond because I don't know what I don't know. I see S and A all the time. I've started a two-person book club with their oldest boy. Huh. And I argue about football with their younger boy, who is incredibly smart and decided to memorize an impressive volume of football stats. Okay. They are my dearest friends, and I'm always afraid that I'm handling this wrong. I don't want to be crying when we can be laughing. I want things to be as normal for everyone as it can be for as long as it can be. They know I'm there for them. Is that enough? You give such thoughtful and clear-headed advice that I wanted to write in and get your thoughts. I really appreciate you both and the humor and hat you put into your responses. Sincerely, B. Very nice. Jane, what do you think? Well, um, a lot of things, I have a lot of responses to this. I'll start with, um, you have to take care of yourself too. You're eventually going to lose your friend. De- people have a, 
we we're not mm. we don't handle grief well in our society. We don't we aren't prepared for it. So everyone really clamps down and uh, doesn't know how to talk about it. So instead of what I noticed was you say I don't want to push. And I think there's sometimes this feeling like it's pushing people to ask them about it. But what if you consider it like a hug? Like, I'm not pushing this yeah. topic. I'm trying to care for my friend and care for myself. Um, it's so horrible so to nice. talk about death that way. But once you start to talk about it, I remember when my father was dying, There was when he got diagnosed, it was just a hard time of like, we don't want this to be happening. But once it was like, this is going to happen now, there's a little relief to start talking about it and saying like, okay, this is how I want things to go. And if you are on that list in her will, it affects you a lot. If you want to take care of her yeah. children and, or help be a, a support in their life, then her talking to you is going to help you do that better. Um, and maybe she needs you as a friend right now to initiate that hug instead of um, maybe she's going through it. She's struggling and fighting so hard that to start a conversation about it is just another thing that she might not have the energy for. Excuse me, I just like ran out of saliva as I was talking. <laughs> what a be- yeah. what a beautiful way of putting it, which is that you're initiating a hug or an embrace as opposed to violating her privacy. Because you're not demanding an answer from her, but what you're saying is. I mean, it sounds like your friend is incredible and high functioning, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of that is also denial. And as you say, you've already been named in her will. And you might want to say to her, you know, you book a girl's night or whatever, and you say, you have a little fun chit chat. And then you say, I want to have a difficult conversation with you. I need to know, I need to understand your wishes. And I need to also understand, first I need to understand, I mean, you don't want to say to her, you're dying, but because maybe she isn't, but you say to her, I want to know and understand how I can support you. I feel that for the last, however many years we've been doing this, that I have been hopefully really very present for you in ways that you needed it. Can I do this with the boys? Can I do that? Can I bring you a casserole? Can I, can I, can I, can I, whatever, whatever she's been doing, which is all wonderful. But I feel that I need to, for my own sake, I want to be the kind of friend to you that you need that you might not be willing to ask for basically. And I want to understand ways that I can support you. That I, oh, drive my carpool. Did okay, great. That's all great. I'll, make me a laundry list every week. I'll do any of it. But I'm talking about emotionally, how I can be a support to you and your family, and how I can help. And she might say, "I'm fine. I'm going to go through this chemo. And we're going to see how it goes. And I don't need this." And da 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 da. Okay. But I want you to understand that I take you putting me on your will and the boys, et cetera, I take my responsibility very seriously. And I really care so deeply for you and your family and for your happiness and for your comfort. And honestly, I'm having a hard, you mean so much to me. This is so hard for me. You know, this thing dangling out there that it means so much to me to be able to be part of this or whatever, however you want to put it. But 
I think also if there does seem to be some inevitability to this, you know, that's sort of a little bit of a different conversation. I don't know whether she's at that stage or not, right. but I do think it could be very cathartic for her to have somebody say, stop for a second, just stop. And let's just talk about how we feel instead of what we're getting done. Before, you know, the, the, the clock feels like it's ticking and hanging over this woman's head. And I think that that could be real. if nothing else, it gives her the space to move into if she wants to, that she knows that that is available to her, that conversation. I think what you don't want to do, which I think sometimes people do, people don't know how to handle their anxiety or how they would handle it. And so they constantly say to people, are you okay? Is there anything else? Are you okay? What about this? How are you feeling? They must be, I mean, you're dying. You must be feeling a certain way about this and that, you know, the people, and that is never helpful. That's about you and how you would feel about it. Not about how she feels about it. But to be able to say to her sons or her husband or whoever it is, if, if God forbid she passes, we talked about blank. And she really hoped that this thing would happen. Or she mentioned that you meant this to her. Or, you know, if I have any regrets about uh, when my mother passed, it is that... I never wanted her to feel sick, even if she was. And so whenever those sort of difficult conversations or those moments where death sort of enters the room and you know we're talking about this because there's a timeline, I always wanted to alleviate that pressure for her and sort of say, if she wants to talk about it, we'll talk about it, but I'm not going to make her feel like she's dying all of the time. And I think we could have had two or three more difficult conversations about the meaning of life, what it all amounts to, who she really deeply felt that she was as a person and what her wishes were. Things, just information I would have loved to carry with me through the rest of my life. And it's hard to know to have those conversations. And if this friend really means that much to you, that kind of archiving, so to speak, will mean a lot to you and it'll mean a lot yeah. to her family. If God forbid she's a mother that they lose at a young age. What you just said also reminds me of this line, I don't want to be crying when we can be laughing. And that's a tough that's a tough spot to be in because if you have to cry, you have to cry. And that's a release. If you're feeling this dread, and I didn't mean to say she's definitely dying. I mean, eventually we're all going to die is what I meant. Like she of will course. die or you might die first, or, you know, it, yeah. it, it's something we're just sort of afraid of acknowledging. But once we say like, oh, okay. I mean, when we adopted our son, we were like, we need to figure this out. What let's, let's think of the worst case scenario and talk through it. And then it's not as upsetting. Um, I mean, totally. not the worst case scenario. Um, yeah, but, but what happens to him? That's some, yeah. you're responsible for him. And also saying, and she and her husband have had that conversation, and saying because you're on their will. Yeah, I think it's important to to communicate. Not knowing her where she is health wise right now is very upsetting to you. It seems like that's what you're saying too. That not yes. knowing where she is, I mean that that is a lot of fear to carry around. Um, and if she could communicate that to you, that it sounds like that would be really helpful as well. So having that kind of difficult conversation. I think, and I also think worry less about all these other people that want health updates and being the 
gatekeeper of that information. If they want to know how she's doing, they should ask her or not. But that's not really your job, being the gatekeeper of that. But I think it's perfectly reasonable as a dear friend to say, I want to have a difficult conversation with you. And we, it doesn't have to be a long one, but this is weighing on me. I'm worried about you. And I just don't know where we are. And of course your privacy, I want to respect your business and your privacy. And I cherish every moment we spend together, but this is hot for me. That's how much I love. All you're saying is this is how much I love you. You know, it doesn't have to be about, of course you're not saying, it would be nice to know actually (laughs) what timeline we're on. You're saying, I love you. And I don't, I've been afraid to express to you how distressing it is for me. But what I'm really trying to say is how much I love you. And that I just, I'm sort of carrying that around. And I guess all I wanted to say is that, you know, I want to check in about this sort of thing. Yeah. And it's really important to take care of your needs in this way too, because she, you're taking care of her already in so many ways that if you, if you don't listen to this voice in your head, that's saying like, I, I I'm feeling upset and I'm trying to put that away. And I'm trying to, you know, if you don't acknowledge how you're feeling, it's going to be harder for you. Um, yeah. And I would also say if for some reason she has a very defensive response to it and, or not defensive, but guarded response to it, where she sort of says, I'm fine. You know, we're doing this. We're going to see how it goes. Da, 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 da. Okay. Da, da, da. You know, whatever. She doesn't want to talk about it. She wants to move right on from it. I would say that you could say to her, okay, I get that you don't really want to talk about this, but I would ask that you think about it. And if you want to talk about it another time, it would mean a lot to me. Something like that. Not, well, I asked her and she wouldn't answer me. And, you know, people just get, it's it's very hard. It's very fraught, all of it. And she's not, perhaps not going to be open to that conversation in that moment. But you could sort of say, when you feel ready, this is a conversation I'd like to have. And that this only comes from a place of love, really. And of, of sort of forethought. And maybe everything's going great and we're never going to have to worry about this. But in the worst case scenario, I just want to make sure that I'm able to sort of, I would be honored if you would allow me to sort of pass a piece of you onto your children sort of thing. That's so beautiful. To have the luxury of that time is, is amazing. You know, that was the thing when my mother was diagnosed it was uh, my mother passed away from cancer. I'm not sure what happened with uh, with your father. Also cancer, yeah. But I would say that the silver lining of that kind of diagnosis is that you get to choose how to spend your time with that person. And again, your friend may be absolutely fine. She may just need another round of chemo, and this is going to be, and it's right. all going to be fine. And that's what we're all praying and pulling for. So we don't mean to sound desperate, but in the worst case scenario. If there is a, if the end is nearer than anyone would like, you get to choose how you spend your time with that person and they get to choose how they spend their time as well. That is actually a gift. You still there, Jean? Yeah. I'm just thinking <laughs> everything I'm thinking is <laughs> 
This is the kind of comedy people come to this show for. This is, <laughs> yeah, everything this I'm is editing really, away I mean, things are like this is this is really you know why people. <laughs> this is the sort of uplifting topic. People, now I think we better give people we better give away a whoopee cushion or something this week just <laughs> to liven the place up a little bit. So Jade. We've yes. got, this is the time in the show where we talk about our giveaway and boy, have we got some contenders. We've got new boobs, number one, who mm-hmm. I, I mean, not to make light of it, she's going through a real life change and an identity shift and whatever, you know, you have to think that's something we didn't really discuss, but it's the same with people that go through extreme weight loss surgery, which is you will be a different person on the other side of this by unburdening yourself or however you want to put it. So honor that and respect that, I mm-hmm. will say. And talk to your therapist about that. And don't just think, oh, now my shirts fit better. You will be a little different. And that's wonderful. But acknowledge and honor that change in yourself because you're going to find you might even mourn the loss a little bit or the change or, you know, and the recovery period, you don't just wake up and have new boobs. Of course, there's going to be, you know, it'll take some time for everything to settle in. So allow for that to happen. Number two is uh, a fabulous girl in either Copenhagen or Stockholm or Spaflugen or who knows which. <laughs> she could be anywhere. Uh, she's about to have her Shirley Valentine moment. So congratulations to her. Uh, and then there is the supporting the can- the friend who is maybe possibly quite ill, maybe possibly doing great. Who knows? Well, I think the woman in uh, far-flung corners of the world, she's got her time. This time is her gift. Let's reframe that time. She has a gift and this is her. Isn't that the truth? She doesn't need a thing. She needs a a box of condoms and I don't, and I don't know. Yeah. And (laughs) and you know what, dear, go out and buy yourself some, throw out all of your underwear. That's my advice to you. Go get that Airbnb, either either get him out of the apartment or go get your own Airbnb. Live in the place you want to live, throw out all of your underwear and get some underwear that makes you feel fabulous and also makes you feel like you're prepared at a moment's notice if life turns into Emily in Paris. I have to watch Emily in Paris. I have not seen it. Oh, it's absolutely dreadful, but terrific at the same time. (laughs) If they, they can't make enough episodes of it and they can't make it fast enough. It's such a confection. Wow. It is such a, and it's, you're going to watch it and you're going to say, Rana, what happened to you? And I'll say the pandemic. Oh. Uh, so number two is out. Okay. And the, uh, the gift today, by the way, is going to be a beautiful Abdel Kata candle, uh, which is my absolute favorite, which is a, the smell of fresh mint. I'm telling you, nothing smells as close to the smell of air. Either go out and buy yourself a handful of fresh mint and rip it in half to shreds and just smell your hands for a few minutes. Watch it go, wilt. Or, or go buy this candle. It's a beautiful, beautiful fresh Moroccan mint. That's our gift today. Uh, I give away. So we're between new boobs and um, the friend who's trying to be an even better friend. I think the new boobs is also kind of a gift to herself. Yeah. So I'm going to say friend of a friend and light that candle and just think about the future and taking care of yourself because I think there's a lot of taking care of herself that needs to happen right now while she's also taking care of others. 
I totally agree. And I also think light that candle and remind yourself how life precious life is because it is mm-hmm. and how, how privileged you are in this moment to be so important to this family because they obviously really value you. But also as Jean is saying, make a little space for yourself. You don't have to be everybody's, you know, you don't have to be the handmaid that's available at every moment. You get to also take care of yourself inside of this. You don't have to put off dealing with this, mourning this, however you want to put it, until it happens. Instead of, you know, I feel like there's a little bit of a, let's just take care of everyone else and then I'll deal with it when it's over. I'll deal with how I feel about it when it's over. Right. I think... uh People need to think about like what you do as, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying this, this person is definitely dying, but when someone in your life is dying, you can take care of yourself, how, what you talk to them about when my, when, when my father was diagnosed, he died about 10 days later. It was really fast. It was very (gasps) traumatic, but pancreatic or what? uh, A bile duct, very close. Yeah. But they didn't know. And he had, it it was just sudden and it was kind of, it was really freeing and that we could just suddenly say like, my therapist at the time was like, tell him he's a great father or not. She didn't put words in my mouth, but she was like, tell him what you want to say and get it off your, you know, as soon as you can. You just don't know what the next day is going to be. And truly yeah. every day. And I'm so grateful that I got to express all of that. And even w- when you plan a funeral and all this stuff, what happens after someone dies is for the living. So yes. And you get to also have a beautiful experience there too. When someone dies, it doesn't have to be hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's already, the grief is big, but you can also, like you were saying, have, talk about planning positive things for the future, things to share with the kids or, um, ways to really celebrate beautiful things with friendships with the people you love so that it's not, um, this vacuum. And it's also a way to keep your, you know, the, the person ceases to be around us, but they never really leave you if they were important to you. And it's incredible how present they are. Uh, I think that was really sort of shocking to me is how the echo or how, or the presence or whatever, however you want to put it, but that it finds its way into your everyday life far more often than you would ever imagine if if there was really a deep connection to that person. And how the conversations that you had or whatever their philosophy on life was, those things are really important. And their kids are old enough already to remember their parents. And so to be a sort of custodian of that kind of information, and of course the father will also do that, but he's going, he is deep in survival mode at the moment and doing exactly what she's doing, which is trying to make everybody happy and for the kids to feel this as little as possible. And when those kids are 20 or 30 or whatever they are, or 15, they are going to wonder, what would my mother have thought about this? And you will find that you are a person that they return to. Because they are searching for any connection to that person's state of mind. And that is really a gift. It really is. And if nothing else, if your friend gets better and everything is fine, this will be a moment in time that is bonded to you, to each other. She will never forget how there for her you were and how open you were to that kind of responsibility, if you are. 
And they were friends since kindergarten. That's a whole lifetime. You have been there. You have her whole lifetime of stories to share. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. But I have to remind her that the gift is not transferable. And that's very important <laughs> to me. We do not, don't, to, don't take this candle and bring it to your friend's house because people love to try to do that. And that's not what we're doing here. No matter, no matter who has what, it's not what we're doing. So Jean, dear, would you like to read the cliffhanger, as I like to say? And as everyone knows, we'll answer this on Patreon uh, on Friday, patreon.com slash askron. I'd be honored. <clears throat> Dear Rana, Brian, and esteemed guest, thank you. Thank you so much for bringing listeners so many laughs, great advice, and a smart, lighthearted take on life. I always look forward to my twice a week, twice a week Rana and Brian sessions. I am hoping you can share some of your wisdom on an issue that I have been trying to work through for a while. I'm a 48-year-old divorcee with two amazing teenage sons, a successful okay. career that I have worked hard to build and an active social life, at least as social as I can be during COVID. Most of my friends are women that I met through a social and pleasure, social aid and pleasure club. Ooh, ooh, social aid and pleasure pleasure club, Club. a New Orleans marching group, charitable organization. Oh, okay. I like pleasure for charity. They're all amazing, strong women, and we are always there for one another. Maybe that's like we were discussing Mardi Gras a whole season. So they have all of those crews. Do you know what a crew is? So they have these different sort of social organizations and then they build their floats and the floats go on Mardi Gras season. That's when the floats go. Uh, And then the big ones go on Fat Tuesday, but before that, and people have events with these groups over the year before that, Uh, you know, during the year. Yeah. This is her strong. Yeah. Maybe that's what this is. I'm not sure. But anyway. That sounds right. Um, Although I am very happy, I sometimes feel like it'd be nice to have a special someone to go out to dinner with or order in, uh, maybe see a play or movie or just someone to spend time with when I'm not working. I'm in no way interested in some grand love connection. I do not want to marry again, nor do I even want to live with someone ever again. I like having my own space and my own time to myself. Nice. Terrific. Lucky you. Yeah. Uh, I don't go out much. And when I do, it's with my friends, most of whom are married. So I don't meet many men that might be good candidates for companionship. My previous relationship with my ex-husband lasted more than 20 years before I finally set myself free. I like that way of saying it. Uh, Here's the thing. I haven't been on a date since 1994 in bold exclamation points. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all the fashion has come right back in style. So Yes, that's Um, right. Go dust off your high-waisted Calvin Klein (laughs) jeans or whatever. Doc Martens, yeah. Yeah. Plus the thought of dating apps and let's face it, dating in general is terrifying. Should I push myself to get out there or hang up my dusty dating shoes? No. No. Yeah. I don't mean to. We can't answer in advance, Gene. Otherwise they won't come here the answer to their cliffhanger. Yeah. How does one even go about meeting people that aren't creeps? Any advice you can provide is greatly appreciated. Please don't use my real name. Best dusty dater. I might already have someone for her. How do you like that? Oh my God. I love it. I'm not kidding. A friend of mine texted me about a friend of hers, a friend of mine who, by the way, this is the kind of, I mean, I was going to say she's the sort of woman you want to set people up with, that you want people to want. You want her to know someone to set you up with. Yeah. But it's not entirely true because she's also a person that just wants people to be together. 
So you would think she has, this is my dear friend. I discuss her all the time on the podcast. She was the curator at the International Center for Photography. She's an incredible, absolute, brilliant genius. Maya Benton is her name. Uh, And she texted me about someone and said, do you know anyone for this guy? Oh. And he happens to be in New Orleans. I believe he's divorced with two children also. Oh. And that he's fabulous and fun. He's a friend of a friend of hers, et cetera, et cetera. I can't believe I'm telling, uh, doing all of this before we do it on oh. the cliffhanger. So we're going to discuss this and more on Patreon, but I'm going to have to get Tony to get in touch with our letter writer to find out. Okay, letter writer, if you're listening, send Tony at askron at gmail.com. Send him a very specific idea of what you're looking for in another person. And I'll try and make this one match. Maybe, maybe not. But other than that, we'll have a little bit more to say on Patreon about what we think you should do and whether, or whether you should just turn to a pile of dusty bones, which might not be a bad idea. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Jean, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. I can't, I can't thank you enough for stepping in at I this am incredible so moment. I am very grateful. And I'm sorry at the beginning I was sitting on my audio. I I want to thank you for the kind words you said and say I am a big fan and I adore you and I'm really grateful to oh, gee. share this you space are, with you. There's no doubt you're an instant audience favorite. There's no question about it. <laughs> Naomi Ekparagan's going to have to watch her back. People love Naomi Ekparagan, but I think oh. she's becoming a little oversaturated. You know, she's sort of, you know. Ugh, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> You and Brian both deeply dislike Naomi. Oversaturated, yeah. Yeah, which I know, yeah. But no, she's absolutely fabulous. But uh, we want to remind people, this this Saturday in the Carriage House, Saturday, February 12th, Lonely Hearts Carriage House edition, askronalive.com. Get your tickets. And Jean, you are an absolute pleasure. I love watching Mm. your career and everything fabulous that you do. And I just, I know... I mean, whenever I see your names in something, I know it's going to be fabulous. So watch AP Bio and watch every other goddamn thing this fabulous woman's ever been in. Thank you so much. And what's your Instagram, Jane? My last name, Villapique, V-I-L-L-E-P-I-Q-U-E. No one one else took it? It, It's a small family. No one else took it. No one else is on Instagram. (laughs) All right, dear. Kiss, kiss. Thank you. Kiss. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.